Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Luke chapter 6 and we're talking about how Jesus is sparring with the religious leaders of his day, these Pharisees, and, and later on he'll be sparring with the Sadducees and, and these uh, these teachers of the law. And Luke is going to, he's given us one example of where Jesus' disciples were picking the grains as they were walking through the grain field and they were shucking it with their hands and eating it. And it was the Sabbath day and the, the religious leaders were having a fit because they were working on the Sabbath day. And so uh, they have a sparring contest and, and Jesus puts them in their place, of course. And Luke is going to give another example in verses 6 through 11. And again, it's the Sabbath day, and it means that these Pharisees are on high alert. They're watching every move that Jesus makes. They're listening to every word that comes from his mouth because they are hoping that they will catch him breaking the law. They want to try to discredit Jesus because he is claiming to be from God, and, and, and they just don't believe it. And so they're, they're hoping that they can find something that will just discredit Jesus, and this is what Luke says in verses 6 through 11. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in a synagogue while Jesus was teaching. And the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. And if he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But listen to verse 8. But Jesus knew their thoughts. They, they would never... They would never say anything out loud to Jesus. They would, they would just think things in their heads. And then Jesus would know what they're thinking, and he would call them out publicly. It's just so awesome what he does here. But they knew, uh, Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the deformed hand, and I love what he does here and what he says. He says, come and stand in front of everyone. And so the man, he comes forward. Because Jesus, he's not about doing things behind the scenes like these people who, uh, that are trying to discredit him. He's going to put this guy out in front of everybody so that there, there, there's not going to be any mistakes. There's not going to be any mistaking uh, about what is going to take place here. And so Jesus said to his critics, and remember, they've been thinking to themselves, right? Who does this man think he is? What, what, what's going on here? Uh, what, if, he, if he heals this man... Then, then uh, you know he's working on the Sabbath, and so Jesus knows their thoughts, and so he 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 says this loud and clear. Uh, he he says, "I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this the the Sabbath day? Is this a day to save life, or is the Sabbath day a day to destroy?" life and and watch closely to what Jesus does here he, in verse 10 Luke says this Jesus looked around at them one by one he would literally look in the eyes of these religious leaders and he would go around the room and just waiting for somebody to give him an answer to his question and he's looking at them one by one waiting for their response and which means he took some time we don't know how much time but he took some time 
and to, to, to just give them that opportunity to answer his question. And he looks into the eyes of each individual Pharisee there and each individual teacher of the law. And he says to the man, he says, hold out your hand. And so the man holds out his hand and Luke says it was restored. At this, verse 11, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. So as, as far as I know, this is the first time that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, uh, who they are now described by Luke as to be enemies of Jesus. And it was at this point that they started talking about how to handle this man, Jesus, who claims to be from God, even though he, he, looks, he doesn't look anything like us. He doesn't dress like us. He doesn't walk like us. He doesn't talk like us. He, he thinks he has more authority than we do. He, the, the guy's traveling from city to city. He doesn't even have a home. He doesn't even have a job. Who does this man think that he is, right? So they, they have now become enemies, classified as enemies to Jesus, right? And he's making these guys, these religious leaders, look like idiots because they're the ones who should have been the the godly example to the people in their communities. But instead, they're oppressing the people and they're making it hard for the people to serve and to worship God. And anytime, I'm, it doesn't matter where you on your job, in your family, in church, wherever, if you threaten somebody's power, they will come after you and make your life miserable. And that's exactly what they did with Jesus. He was a threat to the religious leader's power and their ego, and so they wanted to get rid of this guy. And it was from this point on that they made Jesus their enemy. And they started plotting on how they could get rid of this guy who claims to be from God. And they would try many times. They would try to stone Jesus on several occasions. Even in his hometown, his hometown people tried to shove him off a cliff. Um, But they would try many times and they would fail every time. But they would finally win in the end because they get him on the cross. But if you think about it, even with that, Jesus voluntarily laid down his life and he allowed it to happen. That's why he told, uh, um, um, oh, my mind has gone blank. He told Pilate, he said, you, you don't have no authority over me. If my father didn't allow this, this would not be going on. He says, I laid down my life for my sheep, for my people. So Luke tells us after this that Jesus goes up on a mountain to spend some time with God the Father. He does this often. He would go up there, or he would go off to himself many times just to recharge himself. In fact, Luke says that Jesus prayed all night long. All night long. All night. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. He prayed all night long. Now, I I don't know about you, but I think the longest prayer that I've ever prayed was 30 to 40 minutes. And the reason why I know this 30 to 40 minutes is because when I leave my house, and I get to my first stop uh, on my little Debbie route. It's about a 40-minute drive. And, and, and my little Debbie truck is my prayer closet because Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 5 through 18, how to pray and where to pray. And he tells us to get in our closet. In other words, get into a place where there's, n- there, there's not any distractions, where you can focus on God and, 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 and 
pray to God. And he tells us, pray this way. And then he, he gives us the example of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 5 through 18. But Jesus prayed all night long. I, I, I think, the, like I said, the longest prayer I've ever pay, prayed was around 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And, and it just blows my mind to think that this guy prayed for 12 to 14 hours. He prayed all night long, maybe even a little longer. Well, what's the longest prayer you've ever prayed? Uh, how much time do you spend talking with God? Is it an hour? Is it two hours? Is it 30 minutes? Is it only on Sunday mornings? Uh, is it only when you're in trouble and you cry out to God, help me in this situation? You know, Then your relationship with God is not very strong. In fact, if, if, if you pray like that or if you communicate with God just every now and then or on Sunday mornings or, or very little, then it, it, you never read your word, the, uh, God's word, and, and, and you, you only go to church for a couple, of, maybe at most two hours a week, and that's the only time you spend with God. Your relationship with God is not very strong. And in fact, I'd say it's probably not a relationship at all. It's, it's more of an acquaintance, if you think about it. It's like, Jesus is my friend because he is to be Lord of our lives. And if we have a relationship with him and not a friendship, then we're going to be spending a lot of time with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Because when you have a relationship with someone, you spend time with them. And not only do you spend time with them, you spend quality time. You know, you know, I, I could spend time uh, with my children or or with friends. And, and, and but if if I'm if somebody's talking to me and 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 I'm not listening, my mind is off somewhere in left field, or you know, I, I'm thinking about the Tennessee football game and and, and you know things they could have done better or what just anything. If I'm not paying attention to what they're saying, that's not quality time. Quality time is, hey, I'm focused on you, you're focused on me, and we're spending time together doing this thing together. And that's what Jesus did. He would go off to be by himself to spend some quality time with God. And, and, and Luke tells us that he prayed all night long on that mountain. And so we, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, if we claim to have a relationship with him, then we better be spending quality time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or we're going to have to question if we have a relationship with Jesus. He may be a friend. He may be more of an acquaintance when he wants to be Lord of our lives. So how much time do you spend with Jesus? After that time of prayer and spending some alone time with the Father, when that was over, Jesus, he gathers his disciples and he comes down off the mountain and he's hanging out with the guys. And Luke is going to give us his version of the Sermon on the Mount like Matthew does. In Matthew, I think it's Matthew chapter 5 through 8. But Luke is going to give us a condensed version of it. But before we get into it, Luke gives us the name of all 12 of Jesus' hand-picked disciples and the disciple simply means follower. And here they are. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, right? Andrew. Then you have Simon Peter. Then you have James and John. So you got two brothers, Andrew and Simon, better known as Peter. 
Then you have James and John, the sons of Zebedee, right? They they were uh, fishing with 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 Peter that day when uh, when Jesus called them, uh, as we just looked at in a, a few podcasts ago. Um, but James and John, they're brothers. John is the author of the Gospel of John. Uh, then you have Philip, Bartholomew. Then you have Matthew, the tax collector, who is the author of the Gospel of Matthew. You have Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus. And then you have Simon, who was called the Zealot. And those were just people who had a zeal for God, and they were kind of like warriors. They would literally fight kind of like small skirmishes and, and wars and things uh, in the name of God. So you had Simon, who was called the Zealot. Then you had Judas, the son of James. And then there was another Judas, the, the more famous Judas that we know more about, Judas Iscariot, who would betray Jesus for, what, 30, 33, 30, 30 pieces of silver. Uh, so he would betray Jesus for some money. Um, these 12 men would spend the next three and a half years with Jesus, seeing all of these miracles that Jesus did, hearing all of these t- uh, teachings that Jesus taught. Now, I said in the, in the last podcast, when you read the Bible, you can't read it as an American in 2021. You have to get into the text and immerse yourself into the text, the time period of the text and who's talking and who's in the text. And, and what I like to do is, is I put myself in a place of that character that I'm reading about and how they would have felt and what they would be seeing and what they would be hearing. It just helps me to, to, to be in that moment and get outside of my American way of thinking in 2021. And, and I, it would just be so awesome to, to be one of these 12 men that Luke, Luke just mentioned and to see the things that they saw every day on a daily basis for three to three and a half years, to see Jesus touch a leper, to see a blind man's eyes open up that he he can see for the first time, to to see a withered hand that just literally just grew back right there on the spot. Even when Peter whacked Malchus's ear off, and Jesus, I mean, you could just imagine if you've ever cut your head, you know what I'm talking about. It just bleeds like crazy, and 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 you could just picture Jesus bending over and picking up Malchus's bloody ear and putting it back on his head and the ear stayed on and the bleeding stopped. I mean, it just, just so many things that Jesus did. The, 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 the woman's son who was raised back to life. I mean, the, the joy that would be on her. Just so many things. And you know, John says at the end of his gospel that if, if we were to write everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world that could contain the things that Jesus did. And to be able to see that and to be an eyewitness of that, that's why John starts uh, his letter off by saying, hey, we were there. We reached out and we touched Jesus. We saw him with our eyes. We heard him with our ears. And what I'm telling you is true, and you need to pay attention. And so that... That would be just be just so awesome to see. But you know, one day we'll we'll get to see Jesus when we if we're if we're washing His blood, and we've made Him Lord 
of our life and we're living for Him the best we can on a daily basis, when we take our last breath on this earth, we're, we're going to be with Jesus. We're, we're going to get to hear the story straight from uh, the horse's mouth, if you will. We'll, we'll. we'll see these 12 men, or these 11 men. I'm not sure about Judas. There's many opinions about whether if Judas Iscariot is in heaven or not. Many people say he's not, and some say that he is. We'll find out one day. But we'll get to hear the story straight from these guys' mouths and, and, and how awesome it was to see these things. And we'll, we'll get to see many of these people that Jesus healed, that Jesus touched their lives in some special way. It's going to be so awesome when we get to heaven. When we come back from break, we're going to break down. Well, actually, I'm just going to read Luke chapter 6, verses uh, uh, starting in verse uh, 17 of what uh, Luke's version is of the Sermon of the Mount. We'll be right back. How many times you have you been burned by someone who says they love you? You know, it just hurts to the core of your being, doesn't it? It, it, it just, it, it's like, it's become so hard to trust people once that happens. You know, our trust has literally been shattered. And when someone says the words, trust me, we're like, yeah, I've heard those words before. But you know what God wants us to do? Trust Him. He literally says that over and over again throughout His Word. But I want to encourage you to read Psalm 37 and you will see that message very clear. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desire. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him. And He will help you. So maybe you're asking, how can I trust God when my trust has been shattered? Because God never fails. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, Paul writes, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. We can trust Him. So in verses 17 through 19 of Luke chapter 6, Luke says, When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large, level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far as north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. So people were coming from all over to see and to hear and to try to get to this man so they could touch Jesus. Why? Verse 18. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Now, I love verse 19. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, went out from Jesus. And he healed everyone. Not one single person who wanted to get to Jesus, who wanted to see Jesus, who wanted to hear Jesus, who wanted to be able to touch him because they had some kind of sickness, they had some kind of disease, they had a demon. Not one person went home disappointed. They were healed every single person that day. They came with hope in their hearts and they left with hope. They left because they had the answer and they found the answer in Jesus, it would just would have been so awesome 
to witness these things that Jesus did for these people and, and many other more as the over the next three to three and a half years they would travel with Jesus on a daily basis and get to witness these things like Lazarus coming out of that tomb where he'd been dead for four days and Jesus says come on out Lazarus and, that, that, and he just starts walking out in his grave clothes I mean, mouth wild oh, I can't believe this is going on this is so awesome and to see uh, Moses and Elijah at the transfiguration when Peter, James, and John got to see that and, and to see what t- took place. But Luke is going to end uh, chapter 6 with his version of the Sermon on the Mount. And for uh, the rest of this podcast, I just gonna, I just, I'm not even going to comment. I might throw a comment here and there, but I'm just going to read it in its entirety. It's, it's just 29 verses. Luke chapter 20. And going through verse 49, it's Luke version, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And before we get started, I just want to say this. You know, as Christians, we should live by this. And, and it shapes and molds us into the image of Jesus. It makes us more like Jesus each and every day because it shows us the heart of God. But even if you're not a Christian, if people would just live by these virtues, these teachings that Jesus gives on the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount, it would just make life much better for you and for me, for everybody. But for some reason, people don't do it. They just choose to reject it. But this is what Luke says. Jesus has come down off the mountain, right? These people have gathered all around in this level field. And Jesus as he's healing these people, Luke says that he turns to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich? For you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now? For your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also praised false prophets. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, Offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get the credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to the other sinners for a full return. 
Love your enemies. That's the second time he said that. Any Anytime anything's repeated in the Bible, it means it's very, very important. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. I want to read that uh, verse 35 again. Listen to what Jesus says. Love your enemies, do good to them, your enemies. Lend to them, your enemies, without expecting to be repaid then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. Listen to this. For the, the, the Most High, the God, God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than the teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I want to say that again. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins and that is luke's version of the sermon on the mount and there is some powerful powerful teachings that i'm not going to take the time to break down but you can study it and read it for yourselves and you can read commentaries on the things that jesus says there 
on the Sermon of the Mount. It is very, very powerful stuff. And like I said before I started reading it, even if we're not followers of Christ, if we would just listen to what Jesus says and do what he teaches, our world would be such a better place. And that's what I'm here to do with the Grounded Podcast. I want to make this world a better place. Uh, I, I, I want to share hope with you. I want to share Jesus with you. In, in the feeble attempts that I make in doing so, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will take the, the words that I say and the, the in, in interpretation of God's Word. And, in, 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 though I may not do a, a, an adequate job, I may not be the best speaker. I may not be the best communicator. I know the Holy Spirit can take these podcasts and, and, and take the power of God's Word and to change people's lives. And, and, and that is my goal here at the Grinded Podcast is to, to share God's Word with you. That's what I say on the intro. To share God's Word with you. To, to give you hope. To point you to the answer to all of our problems. And that is Jesus. That's what these people did. They they came from miles around. They came from all over and just wanting to hear Jesus, wanting to get to Jesus, to touch him because there was power that would just ooze from his body and, and, and they would be healed. It's like the, the woman uh, with the issue of blood. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Well, Jesus is the answer to anything that we walk through in this life, anything that we grow, go through, any storm that comes our way. He is the answer. He is hope. It's like the song that says, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And why do we retract from Jesus? Why do we run from God? Why do we get mad at God and blame God for everything that goes on in this world and in our lives when we should be running to God like this crowd in Luke chapter 6. They, 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 they wanted to get to Jesus because they knew that if they could get to Jesus, that he would make their lives better, that they would be healed of their diseases, that demon or, or demons would be cast out, and they would have a new life. And that's what Jesus does. He gives us a new life. He gives us a new purpose. He gives us hope. That's why Paul says when, when we're baptized into Christ and we come up out of that watery grave, we are a new creation in Christ. We have put on Christ, and he gives us a new purpose and we shall walk in that purpose. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you made him the Lord of your life or are you running from him as fast as you can? Don't run from God. Don't run from Jesus, but run to him and make him the Lord of your life. Yet life is still going to be difficult because it, 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 it's just the way it is on this earth. Life is difficult. But in Christ, at least we know that we have hope that when we take our last breath on this earth, if some storm overtakes us or something bad comes our way and it does take our life and we breathe our last breath, we know that as soon as we take our last breath here on this earth, we take our first breath in eternity with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And we will get to hear these stories of all these people who were healed that lived for Jesus. We'll get to hear the stories from 
these disciples who followed Jesus on a daily basis and what it was like as Jesus worked these miracles, as he cast out these demons, as he taught these people and just the how in awe they were. It's just going to be so awesome. Why don't you give your life to Christ today and no longer run from Jesus? If, if we can help you in any way to point you to Jesus, pray for you in any way to give you some encouragement, pray that you would contact us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and we will get with you as soon as possible. God bless you. Keep grinding and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.